helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. I want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, The Dangers of Idolatry. At the time in ancient history when men were fascinated by the skies, by the changing of the season and the cosmos in general, but did not yet comprehend the scientific principles at work, a number of gods emerged. Many of these gods that emerged had to do with fertility, the desires of the flesh, and leaders' desires to rule perpetually. Other gods that emerged were meant to soothe the fears of death or the threat of war. The statues of these gods were meant to embody the main features of the god or goddess. Or goddess. For example, the goddess Ashtoreth is said to be the goddess of reproduction, and she is depicted as a scantily dressed woman with large breasts. So in Jeremiah 44, we have a reference to Ashtoreth, and we are told that uh, Jeremiah rebuked the people for pouring out worship or libations to, to Ashtoreth. And then we have other gods. For example, the chief god of the Egyptian is known as Usir, U-S-I-R. And this god is said to be the god of fertility and the embodiment of the dead and resurrected king. This dual role by this god was meant to combine with the concept of divine kingship and in in that context, the king at death became a god and the god of the underworld. And the dead king's son, the living king, was identified as Euros or a god of the sky. Among this thriving practice of creating god gods out of what seemed to satisfy human physical needs and longing and longings came the seemingly very strange command of God. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness or anything in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. So this seems to be a very strange commandment. It's the second of the Ten Commandments that is given in Exodus chapter 20. And it seemed very strange because in a context where people were worshipping gods, the god of the, st- of the moon, the god of the sun, the god of the underworld, the, the, god, of, the god of kingship, the god of fertility, the god of sex, we and, and statues to represent those gods, we have this commandment that seemed to be very strange that goes against the grain. And notice that God doesn't leave any stone unturned in saying that you should not make any image of God and worship it. He covers basically everything. When you talk about, when he said that you shouldn't worship anything uh, in the earth or anything that is 
beneath the earth or anything that is in the water under under the earth. Basically, there are, there is nothing else left. He's basically saying, don't worship anything. Don't make an idol out of anything. But he spelled it out by making it very clear that nothing was to be worshipped. No aspect of creation was, was to be worshipped. So this raises the question, was the Israelite God jealous of the other gods? Was he threatened by the importance of these gods that these gods were having in the surrounding nation? Or was God trying to warn the Israelite of psychological and physical dangers of worship centered around temporal things? The latter seemed to be the case. As thousands of years after this warning, we observe that the vast majority of nations that created God in, in their image have disappeared from history with only excavated archaeological artifacts and biblical reference left as proof that they once existed. Others such as Egypt, is a far cry from the influential, influential nation that it once was. In contrast to that, we have the Israelites, who was at the time a fledging nation, and who at the time of this commandment was no match for, the, for the, some of these nations around that had military might and power. But what we find happening is that Israel, Israel survived thousands of years and is still a thriving nation today. So apparently, God was right. Surprise, surprise, surprise. God was right. Apparently, there are dangers in worshiping created things. Dangers in making God in our image that is, making God out of the things we desire. You might be listening today and your first thought is that idolatry is, the, is a thing of the past and certainly not something this listening audience can relate to in any way. Well, listen on, because in today's show, I will be showing that idolatry is very much alive today and that some of these Ancient idols are very much worshipped by society and worshipped by even some of us who profess to be believers. So let me start by giving a definition of what I mean by idolatry. So idolatry in Judaism and Christianity is, according to the Britannica Encyclopedia, is the worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. So to actively worship someone or something else and to praise that thing, whether it be the sun, the king, an animal, or a mountain, as if it, as if it were God, is considered idolatry. But a person can also be guilty, according to the Britannica Encyclopedia, is that a person can also be guilty of a more subtle idolatry when, although no overt acts of worship is done, that the person attaches to 
the cre- to the creature the confidence, loyalty, and devotion that properly belonged only to God. So in other words, if you have an, an attachment to someone that this person you you're you're focused to this on this person the attention that you give to this person is done in a way that it supersedes what is normal and you have made this person uh t- this person to take a place in your heart that belongs to God, that person becomes an idol. So you might not be singing songs of worship to this person. You might not be pouring out uh, sacrifices on an altar to this person, but this person can become God if if this person or thing occupies a place in your heart that belongs to God. And Jesus referenced this in the New Testament when he he implied that money has had become the idol of some people. And he said that you cannot worship two masters at the same time because you're going to love one and despise the other. So what Jesus was in fact saying is that people in his day had made money so important, has given had given money such a prominent place in their heart that money had become a kind of God to them. And so we are to be careful what we focus our heart on, what we set our heart on, because that thing or that person can become a God, can become an idol. So my first point on the dangers of idolatry is that idolatry makes God out of our senses. In other words, what we can see, feel, and hear. That's basically what idolatry is. So these statues that were made of of so-called gods in the Old Testament times were based on what was observed. So people observed that their crops would would grow and their their livestock would multiply and so they thought this is great let us make a god of a, a god of agriculture and let us worship this god because if we worship this god we will have more supplies on hand we will we will become more wealthy but when we make god out of our senses we are limiting god Dr. Laura Schlesinger, in her book, The Ten Commandments, The Significance of God's Law in Everyday Life, wrote, Our ears can only hear certain sound frequencies. Our eyes can only discern certain size objects and certain wavelengths of light. We are limited moral creatures. To believe that only that which we can see, hear, or touch is the extent of what is possible is a product of our arrogance and the tendency to worship our own egos. Did you know that dogs can smell cancer cells in a human body? And that dog has now been trained to smell and detect COVID? 
That simply means that the sense of a dog, in some way, the sense of smell, is more highly developed than that of a human being. So it would be ridiculous for us to say that because we cannot smell something, it doesn't exist, or just to worship something based on solely what we can see, because by doing that, we are missing out on a great significant portion of reality that escape our senses. Similarly to dogs, many birds like the zebra finch can see extra colors. We are limited to the, the colors that we can see, but these these birds are what, we, are what is, is called tetrachromatic, meaning that their retinas possess four different types of color-sensing cones. Humans possess only three. And so these birds have the ability to see things that we cannot see with our eyes. So when you're worshiping idols, just because you see something and it looks good, you are actually making a very limited God. Because God, if God is limited to that thing that can be seen or felt or hear, you're missing out on a very important, you're missing out on very significant portions of reality. And similarly, we, we know that elephants, for example, can communicate with each other over a distance of six miles using low-frequency sound that is not detectable to the human ear. And so this, this sound is so loud to these elephants that they can hear it six miles away. How far would you have to, how loud would you have to shout for someone six miles away to hear you? These elephants communicate with each other in in what is is known as infra infrasonic sounds and so these sounds travel but they are not detectable to the human ear so when we make god out of our senses we are missing out on important elements of reality we are limiting God. We are creating a very limited God that is only captured by what we can see. So it is against this background and with this knowledge that God has that God said, don't limit God to your senses. Don't worship what you see. Don't worship what you feel because that is not a representation of your total reality. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been using Exodus 20 verse 40 to speak on the dangers of idolatry. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. So 
So good mental health depends on the ability to transcend what you feel in the moment. If your God is wrapped up in what you can feel or what what is happening in the here and now, that will create mental illnesses, that will create depression, that will create anxiety. God has to be bigger than what you can see, touch, or feel, or, 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 or hear, or, or, or communicate with you any of your senses. And so it is with the, that kind of wisdom in mind that God gave the second commandment, that we are not to create idols because when you have idols in your life you are limited to that thing that you are worshiping and you are missing out on a greater part of reality you're you're limiting yourself to what you can detect with your senses so good mental health depends on digging deeper than what you see, what you hear, what you feel. Good mental health depends on digging deeper into the facts, looking behind what your senses tell you, and drawing uh, draw uh, hope and resilience from what you cannot see in the moment. True, true strength comes from a connection to a higher power that exists outside of the realm of our senses. So we see this in this advice given in Hebrew, or this verse given in Hebrews 11 verse 1 that says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if your God is limited to an idol, if, or if you are worshiping something that's temporal, then what will end up happening is that when you get into a situation that that thing cannot help you, you will become hopeless because your your ability to succeed depends on that thing, whether it be money or that person. So, Paul, writing to the to the Hebrews in in Hebrews eleven verse one, says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And if you don't have faith, when you are faced with traumatic situations, when you're faced with crises in life, the tendency is to give up and to become hopeless. But let's look at a biblical example of that. The Egyptians. Why did the plagues, the ten plagues, work against the Egyptians? The plagues that God sent on the Egyptians worked because they didn't have a God concept that went beyond what was happening in the natural. If they had a God concept that says, despite the fact that our firstborn is dying, despite the fact that the Nile has turned into blood, our God is still in control, they would never have lost hope and given up. But their God concept was limited to their idols of fertility, their idols that gave them the, the fertility that come from the Nile. So when the Nile turned into, into blood, the Egyptians began to lose hope. Their God was limited to what 
they could see. So the Apostle Paul, writing in Corinthians, touch on the importance of going beyond what we see in the natural. When he said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. So what Paul is saying, in the natural, what we can observe with our senses, the outward body might be perishing, you might be persecuted, But don't lose heart because there is something that you cannot see that is happening on the inside. Something that escaped your ability to feel or to see. It's similar to the the sounds that elephants make that, that eludes the human ear or the light that some animals see that we cannot see. Paul says you might not be able to see it, but your God is still at work even though you are sick and your outward body is wasting away, something is being renewed in the spiritual sense. And if your God is an idol, you will never be able to get in touch with that reality. Your God has to exist outside of the senses for you to have that kind of hope. The Egyptians couldn't have hope when things started going badly for them because their gods were idols that were just based on things that they could see in the natural. The other danger of idolatry is that idolatry promotes self-gratification instead of self-control. A person who is guilty of this more subtle form of idolatry, such as worshiping a person, is not exhibiting self-control. They might see that person and they, 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 they go after the pleasure that this person offers, despite the fact that there might be biblical guidelines that say that relationship is not good, or even just common sense that says that person is not good for you. A person who is guilty of this form of idolatry will just go by what feels good in the moment. Self-control is needed for success in all aspects of life. Religion without self-control is hedonism, which only leads to depravity and self-destruction. Let us consider the fall of the Roman Emperor for Empire, for example. The Roman Emperor, as we all know, was one of the, the greatest uh, military might ever known to mankind, one of the most successful societies. The Roman Emperor Empire had such great success that it was the envy of other nations. But the, the pursuit of beauty and the obsession with masculine ideal led to widespread sexual practices such as pedophilia. And it was considered like a rite of passage for men to have sex with young boys. As a matter of fact, we are told by historians that the love for 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 that men had with other men or with boys was said to be superior to the love of a man between a man and a woman and this sexual pursuit of pleasure this this turning 
aside from moral guidelines where they were now it was now seen as being okay to go after young boys and a rite of passage for for men to have sex with young boys turned into a society that was based on pleasure not just sexual pleasure this is an example one example but pleasure in all aspect of the society the entertainment whatever made you feel good was was taken as entertainment so we had barbaric practices like lions eating people as a form of entertainment in 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 these in 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 these uh in this society where people would gather to watch this spectacle play itself out and so this desire for sexual gratification without boundaries led to the degradation of the society and so when you have a life that is built around pleasure without any bounds that's a recipe for disaster and so do you know of anyone let us think about this for a moment do you know of anyone who lived their life without boundaries that you know they just want to have as much pleasure as possible whether it be pleasure from drugs or as much sex as possible without any boundaries that live their life like that whatever makes me feel good in the moment that is what i'm going to have i'm going to have unbounded pleasure do you know anyone like that who lived a life like that who in midlife look back and say my life has been successful i have achieved so much and i think the answer for that is no people like that usually become addicts or they they have sexually contracted disease that shortened their lifespan or they developed other illnesses based on the fact that they didn't put any boundaries in life so idolatry leads to a form of self gratification and i think this was what was at the root of the fall of many of those great nations and great civilizations of the past such as the roman empire because people did not think that they needed to put boundaries in place for the pleasures that they pursue so idolatry promotes that idolatry promotes self gratification instead of self control and so when you have a society that is based on that it's just a matter of time before the society falls apart and the next point is that idolatry creates instability when you have no moral compass you have no boundaries the civilization is going to fall apart because you need to have boundaries in place so when you make someone your idol and you throw aside godly advice of your pastor or of people in your life that is trying to speak into your life and your only concern is that oh he's so cute you know i can't resist uh being with him or you know she's so beautiful that's a kind of idolatry because what you're doing in that sense is that you are setting this person against godly advice you're putting them over godly advice you're putting them over the guidelines of the the scriptural principles that that 
are part of your your faith faith tradition and so this kind of idolatry will only lead to instability and it will only be a matter of time before you notice that this person that you are worshiping is letting you down because no one can take the place of God and satisfy you in your life if you're putting someone against uh, above God then what you're doing is that you're limiting God in your life and you're taking away his his stability and his blessings out of your life and this too was what led to many uh, the, the demise of the great civilization of the past so idolatry should not be practiced whether it be the overt kind of idolatry where things are worshipped or the more subtle forms because there are dangers that I have touched on today. So we are limited beings. There are psychological benefits to the second commandment. God is greater than created things. God is not limited to what we see. He is supreme. No object or person can take the place of God. And many of the counseling programs, the AA programs, are built on the structure that we need to have a power that is outside our senses, a higher power as they call it. So there you have it for today. This is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. And I pray that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.